Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. How many are ready for the word this morning? Amen. It has been a a very, very interesting, very difficult week uh, for us. This just goes so perfectly along with what I've experienced this past week. I, I need you to understand that with every awakening, with every move of God, there's going to be a storm that's going to follow. Yes. Amen? How many of you have ever experienced a storm? Yes. How many have ever had a financial storm where you needed God to rain some money down on you? How many have ever had a relational storm where some of your relationships were a little, little tough? How many had any mind storms where you, you were depression, struggle, and what, what was coming against you? All right. How many of you have ever gone through a storm physically where your, your body was sick? Storms are part of life. We, we all go through storms in life. And, and after the, the disciples are used by God to take the five loaves and the two fish multiply it, and they give it to the people, the people rise up and they want to make Jesus king. Everyone is excited because, you know what, we're we're shady people. We like free stuff. We want someone in office that's going to give us something free. And so, man, I got quiet right there. I ain't ain't pulling what side that I'm going for or anything like that. I'm just here to tell you that we as a people like free stuff. And so when Jesus fed them, they're like, hey, man, we make this guy king. We'll never be hungry again. And so what they're thinking, this is a great welfare system. Let's make him king. Jesus understood that and said, listen, that's not my purpose. One of the things I love about Jesus, he would not allow himself to get sidetracked. Listen to me very closely. Many times in our lives, we end up overwhelmed because we're trying to do things we weren't called to do. And you catch that. Say it again, Pastor. When you begin to become overwhelmed and you don't have enough time in the day to do what, you are, what you're doing, that means you have put more on your plate than you were supposed to put on your plate. Because God's given you the ability and the time to accomplish everything he's called you to. If you're overwhelmed, you got to check. Are you trying to take things that he never meant for you to take? Jesus, Matthew chapter 14, stand with me as we read in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. As soon as the 5,000 are fed, the people want to make him king Jesus gets the disciples before the crowd, while the crowd's coming around them, tells them, get in the boat. Notice what happens, starting in verse 22 of chapter 14 of the book of Matthew. Now, I shared with you last week that this account of the feeding of the 5,000 is found in how many of the Gospels? Four. All four of them. Which means it's extremely, 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 extremely important. Because when God repeats something one time, it's important. But when God repeats something four times, it's very important. And so he shares this story on four different occasions. And now, after they're fed, look with me here in verse 22 
immediately. Jesus made the disciples. Everyone say made. made. Does it say he requested? That he asked them? Pretty please? How do you make someone? You know that the Hebrew or the Greek word that's used here literally means he forced them. God never forces you to do anything. Yeah, yeah, he does. The people are going crazy. They want to make them kings. And the the disciples are like, hey, this is great. We just fed the 5,000. Everyone likes us. They want our autographs. And Jesus is like, hey, get in the boat. But I want to stay. I want to meet some people. That girl over there is really cute. Get in the boat. But they, they want to start a fan club, a Peter fan. Get in the boat. And so everyone has just been fed. They're excited. And Jesus makes them get in the boat. To go ahead to him on the other side. Where were they going? Where were they going? To the other side. Look at your neighbor and said, I'm going somewhere. While he dismissed the crowd, tells the crowd to get out of here. We're always trying to get crowds together. Jesus disperses them. He was never impressed by crowds. Jesus didn't do his ministry for a crowd. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Man, if God needed prayer, how much more do we need prayer? Come on, church. If God, the Son of God, took time to pray, how much more do we need time to pray? <laughs> later that night, someone say later, later. he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Someone say against it. Bow bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Everyone say increase. Increase. Look at your neighbor. Say awakening. Awakening. Those are the two words God gave me when we started this, this year. Increase and awakening. Increase happens when we have an awakening. What's an awakening? An awakening is a realization that you were created for something better. Anyone have an awakening yet? Oh, come on, church. Anyone have an awakening? You see, your marriage is never going to get better until you realize that you deserve a better marriage. You're never going to have better finances until you realize, I deserve better than this. You're never going to have a better mindset until you realize, I don't deserve to live in this depression. Do you understand that you deserve, because God made and paid the ultimate sacrifice, you deserve and you have a right to a better life. Say it again, Pastor. You have the right to a better life. Tell your neighbor he's talking to you. You have have a right to a better life. And when things don't happen in your life, you have a right to have an awakening. That I was created for something better. But I want you to recognize, we in America have this idea that, or not just in America, but I think a religion overall. We have an an idea as, as people, as human beings, that when someone goes through bad times, they must have done something wrong. Right? Have you ever seen anyone that's always has junk going on in their lives? 
And they go from one problem to another problem to another problem to another problem. Yeah, have you seen people like that? Oh, you know who they are because as soon as they walk into church, you, you go the other way. Because you're afraid what they have might touch you. And every time you talk to them, they're always in the middle of a storm. There's always a problem going on. They have this cloud that just carries over them. It can be sunny outside, but there's this rain cloud constantly over them. And they're like, you know what? I'm enjoying the sunshine. Don't be bringing that rain over here right now. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, you don't need to turn there, verse 19, for all creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Why is that? Because the, the next verse goes on and says, all creation is groaning. The world is moaning and groaning. You wonder why there's tsunamis? You wonder why there's earthquakes? You wonder why there's storms? It's because the earth is waiting for you and the glory that you were created for to be revealed. You, you think that creation doesn't feel the condition of humanity? You're, you're missing... All the earth, everything we see, all the natural resources God created for you. Then he told man, have dominion over it. When sin entered in, man lost dominion. As a result, not only did it affect mankind, but it affected the earth as well. And from that moment on, the earth has been waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. It's crying out. Your neighborhood is crying out for you to have an awakening and recognize who you are. Your city is waiting for you to have an awakening of who you are. Why? Because they recognize that there is something in you that can transform our hopelessness into hope. So all creation's waiting on you. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. It's groaning for you to realize who you are. Now, now, now follow me on this. How many know that when you disobey God, sometimes you're going to end up in a storm? Right? Jonah ran from God, so God sends a storm. And all of a sudden, that, and that, that really sucks for the people that were in the boat with Jonah. They didn't do anything wrong. And they're in the middle of the storm. And they're wondering, what the heck is going on here? And they start throwing stuff. They, they, they start losing stuff that belong to them. Come on, somebody. They start losing possessions. They start losing goods because they're trying to lighten the weight. And they're trying to figure out, why am I going through this storm? And there's some of us that are connected. We find ourselves connected where we're, we're in relationship with individuals or we've opened ourselves up to be in partnership with someone who is causing you to lose things of value because they are connected to you. And because they're running from God, they're in the middle of a storm and now you're in the middle of the storm and you did nothing wrong. You're like, why, why is God mad at me? He's not mad at you. This storm has nothing to do with you. It's not until then Jonah says, hey, hey guys, uh, um, it's me. If you throw me over the side, 
Y'all will be cool. And these are good cats. These are good people. They're like, no, 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 no. We're not going to throw you over the side. We don't want that blood on our hands. Let's start losing more stuff. And so you, you don't want to break relationship with that person. You're a good person. You know, yeah, we love you. You're, you're our, and so we, we try to hold on. Let's see if we can save. Let, let, let's see if we can make. And we start throwing more stuff overboard when we know what the problem is. And it finally gets to the point where they, sorry, dude. <laughs> We've thrown everything we got over the side already. We ain't got nothing else. After that, it's us. And uh, Jonah's like, hey, you know what, guys? It's me. You get rid of me, everything will be cool. And so they throw Jonah off the side, and the storm stops. There, there are some storms you are facing right now that have nothing to do with you. You need to take a look at who's around, if you've done what God's told you to do. But, but there's, and those are the storms of correction. You do something wrong and God tries to correct you. But then there's another storm that's called a storm of perfection. The storm of perfection brings you not trying to get you back in line. It just tries to reveal another level of God's character to you. The disciples do what Jesus says. In fact, he made them get in the boat. I didn't volunteer to get in the boat. You made me get in the boat. And so they push off and they start heading off. And I want you to recognize something as we get ready to read in Matthew chapter 14 that we all face storms in life. Look at your neighbor said, we all do. We all face storms in life. And I need you to recognize storms are natural. Come on, somebody. Storms are natural in life. You know what? A family member is going to get sick. There's going to be some relational issues. The car's going to break down. You're going to get a bill that you don't have the money to pay. There are going to be some things that are going to happen in your life that are going to be a storm to you, and you're going to wonder, how do I get through it? And I need you to understand, storms are natural. But not only that, storms are essential. You know, without the storms we have, it, storms actually, they say, help re restore nature. Restore the balance. When, when the heavens get too filled with water, if the earth didn't get the water back again, we would die. There's a cycle that takes place. Evaporation takes the water up into the clouds. The clouds hold it until it can't hold it anymore, and then it comes right back down to the ground. If the clouds held on to it, we would die. So storms actually restore nature. It's part of life. It's natural. But lastly, storms will pass. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, your, your storm will pass. Let, let the other person know it's not going to last forever. Come on, somebody got to give praise to God right there. It's not going to last forever. Oh, come on, somebody got to give God praise. It's not going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. My marital problems aren't going to last forever. My financial problem isn't going to last forever. This sickness isn't going to last forever. This depression isn't going to last forever. This storm isn't going to last forever. I'm coming out. Look at your neighbor and tell him, it ain't going to last forever. 
Look with me in Matthew chapter 14. This young lady in the front saying, that that dude lost it. Verse 22. Immediately Jesus made him get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So he dismisses the crowd, he sends them on, and then they end up in a storm. Now, you got to remember, we're talking about seasoned fishermen. How many fishermen do we have out here? You good? You catch? Really? Hey, fishing doesn't make you a fisherman, man. If you fish one time, just because you planted a seed don't make you a farmer. Hey, you bake a cake doesn't make you a baker, all right? How many fishermen? I'm talking those guys that know how to catch when fish aren't biting. That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. That's you? Me and you are going out, man. Because you know what? I tell you what, I'll go, out to, I'll go out to a lake and you see the fish sitting there. And I got my bait right in front of the sucker and he's just like, get that thing out of my way. And he'll just keep on going. You have to show me then. So I don't believe you right now. <laughs> see, I need you to understand, faith isn't faith until it's tested. The Bible says... That without faith, it's impossible, not hard, impossible to please God. Which means this, faith isn't faith until it's tested. Until you go through a storm or a place that you need to exercise faith, then you don't know if you have faith. Right? So you can't be pleasing to God with faith unless you're in a situation that has to exercise And so we want to brag about our faith, but we don't want to go through nothing. We want to talk about how much we love God and how much faith we have. Yeah, I trust God for anything. But you don't want no junk. Impossible. See, some storms are caused to just allow us to... It's not that God's, that God's character is bad. God loves you. But you know what he allows you to do? It's, you know what? There are things my kids have gone through that I could have delivered them from immediately, but I, I stand to the side and I let them do it because they need to learn. Because they know it, they know it all. You remember that, right? Hey, you're 13. You know everything. You li- you, you've lived 13 stinking years. You know it all. So you could, you, could, you could learn God on some things. Let me share with you some principles this morning. First of all, when we talk about a storm, and I need you to grab a hold of this because I think what happens is this, is that we are, as religious people, we think that people go through things because they did something wrong. And so we place judgment on people. Part of the awakening isn't just recognizing that, is recognizing that what you go through isn't always the devil. All right? Not everything you go through is the devil. But on the flip side, not everything you go through is God. So let me share with you some principles regarding storms. First of all, I want you to notice about this storm that they're facing. That storms aren't always punishment. In the Bible, when we see this this blind man, the the disciples ask, because there was this culture, who sinned, him or his parents? In other words, sickness or things like that were usually a, a, a response to sin. And so I remember when my daughter was sick with leukemia, someone had the nerve to walk over to me and say, Pastor, when you get rid of the sin in your life, your daughter will be healed. It's that kind of stupidity 
I, I may be a minister, but I wanted to choke their eyeballs out. Maybe that's the sin they were talking about. <laughs> so you know what? I'm going to send you to heaven. I love you. I'm going to send you to heaven. <laughs> but we have a way where we judge people based on... And the reason we do that is because this is what we're afraid of. If we allow for a second the idea that there are times that God allows storms in our lives, then it opens up that we might have to go through some. And that's scary. We don't want to open ourselves to trial and tribulation. You know what? The reality is sometimes life just sucks. Sometimes things happen. They're not God's will, but there are some things that happen that we can't explain. Can't explain why my daughter died. Can't explain why, why my dad is in the hospital right now. I can't explain why you're going through some of the things that you're facing today. But I will tell you this, that regardless of what I face today, I still know that God sits on the throne and that my God is in control. And I will not change, will not change my theology to match my experience. And too many times what we end up doing is we create a philosophy to match our lifestyle or our experience rather than to find our lives matching the word of God. So Jesus com compels them, forced them, the Bible says, constrained them. They literally wanted to go another way and he forced them to get into the boat. And I need you to recognize that sometimes following God could lead you to a storm. You could follow God and end up right in the middle of a tempest. But I want you to recognize something. God has a plan. Amen. What did he tell them? Get in the boat and go. Get in the boat and go. Get in the boat and go. Let's start with just this side. Go in the boat. Get in the boat and go. You didn't even move your lips. Come on, Niner fan. Move your lips a little bit here, all right? Get in the boat and go to. How about this section? Get in the boat and go to. Get in the boat and go to. Get in the boat and go to. Oh, so you had to go there. Had to, you, you, you guys did a great job until that point right there. Did great. Now I just felt like the spirit just departed right now. All right, guys. God bless you. Have a nice... Oh, Lord. I want you to check out what Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says. You know the scripture very well. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. amen. For I know the plans. Everyone say plans. Yes. Notice he doesn't say plan. Notice he doesn't say I know the plan. For I know the Plans, more than one. You see, God knows that we're going to jack things up. He knows we're going to make some bad decisions. He knows that we're going to make some bad turns. He knows we're going to be a Jonah, and he's going to have to send some waves. But I need you to understand that even if we mess up here, even if we mess up there, even if we mess up over there, that God has plans. People drive me crazy with the 
perfect will of God. God has plans. It's not the perfect will. There's only God's will. Say it again, Pastor. There's only God's will. No such thing as God's perfect will. There's only God's will. Why? Because he's perfect. So his will in and of itself is perfect. You might take the wrong path, but his will stays the same. Hopefully lights are going on for some of you. Pastor, I made the wrong turn. That's all right. He has plans for you. God God has this stuff covered. You know what that does for me? You know how many times I messed up coming up? How many times I made the wrong turn? God's my navigation system, honey. Have you ever been driving and all of a sudden you make the wrong turn? And all of a sudden it says, recalculating route. (laughs) Has your destination changed? No. No. Destination's the same. God just has to recalculate your route. (laughs) You made a wrong turn. That's all right. God's just recalculating your route. He has plans. He... The place is still the same. Where he wants you to go is still the same. You're just taking the scenic route. (laughs) If the path that God sets you on sends you into a storm, you got to know that God commands that storm. If God leads, following God leads you into a storm, you got to know that God commands that storm. What's that do for me? It just brings peace. He's in control. Even when things seem out of control, he's in control. Second thing I want you to notice is that storms reveal who God is. See, there there are things in my life that I would never have experienced unless I had gone through a storm. Never would have realized who God is until I went through a storm. Now, you know what? When my daughter got sick and we were praying and I was believing and saying, God, you got to heal her. You got to heal her. I stood over her bed at UC Davis and I would make that declaration. You will live and not die. You will live and not die. I declare to you, I speak to these bones and I declare in the name of Jesus, you will live and not die. And thing, I would make these declarations. And when things didn't go the way we expected them to, I expected God to be Jehovah Rapha, the God that healed. But I came to experience in him, him instead as Jehovah Shalom the God that is my peace. My mom was so concerned, she was concerned that I would even stay in ministry after my daughter died. She knew how much I loved her. She was my baby. And when she passed away, my mom was so concerned, and I remember her, when she would come over, she would pray for me, and she would stand there, and I'd be like, what, what, what's, what's the deal? What, what, what's wrong? What's going on? She goes, Mijo, I just don't want you to backslide. I said, are you kidding me? Seriously, are you kidding me? She goes, I just don't want you to walk away from the Lord after everything that he's done for you and what's going on. And, you know, was I ticked? Yeah. Was I mad? Yeah. Did I get mad at God? You better believe it. 
Was I upset? And you know what? Some of us get tripped out. No, you can't get mad at God. Yes, you can. He's big enough to handle it. Some of us act all fake, like we're, you know, we're going through hell and we're wondering, okay, you know, that's, that's okay, I'm not going to get mad at God. Take a look at the Word of God. All the people that had a great relationship with God had the ability to be real with Him. Come on. Come on. Look at Moses. These are your people. I didn't ask for this job. You told me to lead them. You show me the way to lead them then. Where am I going to get water for all these people? Where am I going to get meat for all these people? Hey, you're the one that keeps telling me to lead them. You show me how. Tell me Moses wasn't ticked. And yet God called him one of the greatest leaders to ever live. And most humblest man. After he took God on. Listen, listen. Don't get ticked at God if you ain't got no relationship with God. You know what? You don't know me. Don't try to get, get step up to me and get mad at me. Because I will squeeze your eyeballs out. I may be little, but I'm feisty. But if you have a relationship with me, you and I can disagree and we can go at it. We could disagree. We, could, we can go at it. We could argue and everything. But when we're done, we're cool. Don't try to get mad at someone you ain't got no relationship with. How I got there, I have no idea. <laughs> Storms reveal who God is. Storms come with the territory, folks. Get, just accept it, okay? If you are saved, you're going to have storms. If you're unsaved, you're going to have storms, okay? If you're a human being, you're going to go through some storms. But I need you to understand... These guys were, they, they were fishermen. They knew about water, man. These guys weren't, weren't, these guys weren't, weren't uh, greenhorns. They knew what it was to go out. and They'd been in tough seas before, but this one got them scared. So I need you to understand that it's not the storm that scares us. It's the size and the intensity of the storm. When you experience a storm that is bigger and more intense. How many of you have been through some storms in life? I'm talking natural storms, okay? My wife and I, with our kids, we were, we were on a cruise, okay? And all, well, we're, laying in, we're laying in bed, and all of a sudden, light would fill the room, and then it would go dark. Light, then dark. Light, then dark. And I thought, you know what? These kids are messing with the light switch. <laughs> and the loving father I was, I jumped out of bed to tell him, stop it! And I jumped out of bed, and... Jack, uh, Jessica is asleep on the top bunk. Jazzy's crashed on the bottom bunk. And nothing. And then the light went on again, and it went off. But the light wasn't coming from the room. And I l- turn around, and I look out, and this cruise ship is in the middle of a storm. Lightning. Waves are going like crazy. And Titanic had just come out. I had pictures of me letting go of Angie's hand. (laughs) And she had pictures of 
her foot on my forehead, pushing me down. <laughs> there's room for two of us. No, there's not. Oh, Lord. And so the, the disciples get halfway. The storm is blowing, and they're getting freaked out. See, I need you to understand, this is where problems come up in the storms that we go through. These guys are rowing. They're rowing. They're rowing. They take off about 6 or 8 o'clock at night. And now it, it's about the third watch, and the third watch is about 3 in the morning at this time. This one says at midnight. And then they're struggling another three hours. And as they're sitting there for almost eight hours of struggling, the Bible says that as they're struggling, they're not making any progress, they begin to panic. See, I need you to understand that we begin to panic when we don't make progress. We panic in our marriage when we're working on our marriage yet we're not making any headway. When we work on our finances but we're not getting out of debt. We're, we're dieting but we're not losing any weight. Come on, somebody. We get, we start to panic when progress doesn't happen. And these guys are pushing and they're not going anywhere. We always want to go back when we stop making progress. Want to quit trying to break our addictions when we hit the wall. But do you understand that halfway means you're just as far from the other side as you are from where you came from. You catch that? You're still halfway. You're just as close to the finish line as you are to the quitting line. And so you can go back, yeah. Might be easy, but it's the same distance. But if you keep going, and you keep going, and you refuse to give up, and you keep going... And you keep going. You might not see it now, but you will get to the other side. Tell your neighbor he's talking to you. You see, we give up when the effort doesn't match the reward. And so the disciples are sitting there and they're struggling. And I want you to recognize, then all of a sudden something happens. Look with me in verse 25. And as the worship team comes to help me out this morning, I want you to see what happens here in verse 25. It says, shortly before dawn. Everyone say, before dawn. Right before the sun comes up, right before the end, the Bible says that Jesus went to them. That means that Jesus checked these jokers out for almost 10 hours and watched them struggle, watched them battle. And that goes against our theology because we think as soon as God sees us go through a trial, that he jumps there and he saves us. The Bible says that Jesus, in another, another part, I believe it's the book of Mark, says, and he would have passed them by. Jesus came walking on the water and would have passed them by. I need you to understand something. In the midst of your storm, if you're not looking for God, you'll miss him. If all you're looking at is the winds and the waves and you're not looking out for God, he might pass you by. God doesn't just jump in your boat. He just comes close enough that if you're looking for him, you'll find him. Notice what happens here. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. That's so cool. Jesus is walking on water. Is it possible for a man to walk on water? So in the middle of the storm, Jesus is walking up one wave, walking down another. Walking up one wave, walking down another. 
walks up one wave, walks down another. And so he's just, he's just cruising. And he catches up to where they're at. What took them all night to get to, Jesus catches up with them in a matter of moments. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Someone say terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. See, I need you to recognize something. This is cool. As a worship team begins to play slowly. I want you to grab a hold of this. I think this is just amazing. They see Jesus and they freak out and they think it's the devil. There are times in our lives where Jesus is coming and you freak out and think that that thing's coming to kill you. What, what blows me away is that disciples had faith enough to believe that the enemy could dwell in the storm, but they didn't have faith to believe that God could command the storm. Why is it with every storm we freak out and think it's Satan instead of opening our eyes and realizing it's God? They thought it was a ghost. They could believe that Satan could dwell in that realm, but they didn't have the ability to believe that maybe it was God. I need you to understand that God is the God of your storm. He is the God of your storm. He doesn't command just the beach. He commands the waves as well. And when he gets there and they see him, they... He, they, they, they're terrified, and he says, hey, 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 chill. Relax. It's I am. The Greek word used there is the same word that's transliterated in the Hebrew when Moses stands before the burning bush and says, who shall I say sent me? And he says, tell them I am has sent you. So when Jesus stood on the water, he looked at the disciples and said, listen, it's not Jesus you're looking at right now. When you watch me walking on the water, you're seeing me in my natural element. You're watching me in my ability and authority. You're watching not in a man. You are seeing God right now. You don't see Jesus. It is I am. Who am I am? I am whatever you need. When you're sick, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. When you're in deep peace, I am Jehovah Shalom, the God that is your peace. When you need comfort, I am Jehovah Shammah, the ever-present God. When you need direction, I'm Jehovah Ra, the good shepherd. When you're, when, when you're lost, I'm Jehovah Kadesh, the God that sanctifies. When your sin steps in, I'm Jehovah Zit canoe, I'm the God that is your righteousness. This morning, in the midst of your storm, he is whatever you need. As we close this morning, the final thing I want you to recognize is this. Storms don't have the final authority. I got a call on Thursday night that my dad was in the ER. And I was found myself right in the eye of the storm. 
My sister was on the other line. She says, doesn't look good. The doctor just came in. We just brought dad in. He was having breathing problems. The doctor says that he's having heart failure and his kidneys are shutting down and he's not going to make it. Took the phone. I told her, said, you know, do me a favor. Put dad on. I can hear my dad wheezing on the other line. I said, pop, I'm just going to pray with you now. So the girls are here with me. We're, we're going to pray for you. Your time's going to come, but it's not today. Your time will come, but it's not today. So let's pray. We begin to pray. Just begin, begin to declare the kingdom of heaven on his life. We had people praying for us and with us and hung up the phone and getting ready to head over to Sacramento and we're, we're sitting there and as we're praying and just seeking God about an hour later I get a text message from my sister and says another doctor just came in says he's fine Another doctor came in, just said he looked at the EKG, and uh, EKG, his heart's strong. Doesn't know what the other doctors saw, but his heart's strong. He, ha he has some kidney issues that we need to work through, but his heart's strong. He says, you might die, Mr. Vera, but it won't be tonight. My declaration to my father was this, it said, Pop, you're going to die someday. And my argument with God was this. I got mad with God. I said, listen, you can take him, just not right now. Not like this. When my dad goes, I want him to die healthy. Some of you are like, what? What do you mean healthy? Throughout the word of God, people that died usually died of old age. And if they had a sickness, they would call out to God and God would heal him. I firmly believe that we should be in health to the last day we live. Why? Not because Pastor Dan says it, because the Word of God says he paid by his stripes. We hope we're healed. We might be healed. Someday healing might come. No, it says by his stripes we are healed. See, I don't, I don't know what Peter was thinking, but he sees Jesus walking on the water, then tells him, hey, Jesus, command me to come to you. What's this boy thinking? Okay, G it's a storm. Jesus is there. And it's like, at that point, let's go home. Get in the boat. Let's go home. What is Peter thinking? Jesus, if that's you, command me to come to you. What, what's this guy thinking? You see, I need you to recognize Peter had just multiplied five loaves and two fish to thousands of people. Now he just had an awakening of who he was. And he saw his spiritual father doing something. He blessed it. He did it. He's like, I want to do that now. Command me. 
And so Peter steps out. There was no purpose for it. I know as a little kid, I've always walked, went to the pool and said, Lord, let me walk like Peter. And I stepped into the pool. It's never worked. What was the purpose? God was trying to show Peter that he was in control of the storm. He had authority. Now, you know the story. I'm not preaching about Peter walking on water this morning, but I want you to capture something. You know that Peter got distracted by the wind and the waves, the Bible says, and then he sank, right? Let me ask you a question. If the water had been clear, no wind or waves, no storm, would it have been possible for Peter to walk on water? In the natural, would he have been able to walk on water? No. He can't walk on water. It's impossible. But he allowed the wind and the waves to distract him. Do you know that there's times that we allow things that have nothing to do with the miracle to distract us from the miracle? Missed it. We allow things that have nothing to do. Even if the water was clear, it's still impossible for a man to walk on water. So if it's impossible for a man to walk on clear water, why should raging water be any different? Don't get distracted by your conditions. Many times we get so caught up, so caught up in the conditions we miss our companion. We get so caught up with the conditions that you miss who you're walking with, Jesus. If you're focused in on your companion rather than the conditions, there's nothing impossible for you. When Peter was sinking and he cried, Lord, save me, Jesus saves him immediately. Was the wind still blowing while they were walking back to the boat? Storm was still going. Was the storm still going when he pulled Peter out of the water? Was it still going while they were walking back to the boat? Was it still going when they got to the boat? Was it still going while they were climbing into the boat? Was it still going when Peter got in the boat? Was it still going when Jesus got in the boat? It wasn't until Jesus got in the boat that the wind began to die down. I need you to understand that even if the conditions don't change, as long as Jesus is walking with you, everything is okay. It's not the condition. It's my companion. It's my company. Jesus was with Peter. He's with you. They climb in the boat and the Bible says that the disciples worship him. Because they just saw this cat walk on water. They worship him. Let me tell you something, folks. Your storm shouldn't cause panic. It should cause praise. If we were to praise God in the midst of the storm, 
while the storm's going on, it doesn't matter if the storm's cleared up because Jesus is there. Because wherever two or three or wherever you worship, he is there in the midst of your, of your praise. So this morning, keep this in mind as you go through your day and you face your storms. Storms were not made to last, but you were. Bow your heads with me right now. Father, we come before you. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.